Jesus. There's got to be unity, amen? So I'm going to start with Luke 11:17. I think I didn't go back. Jesus, I think he's talking to some of like the Pharisees or the lawyers or something. They're trying to catch him here. And, but he goes in and he says, Every kingdom divided against itself is doomed to destruction, and a house divided against itself falls. This is the amplified version. This is Luke 11:17. And then if you jump down to Luke eleven twenty three, he goes on and he says, He who is not with me, believing in me as Lord and Savior, is against me. There is no impartial position. You're either for or against, whether you know it or not. And then he, but he goes on and he says, And who does not gather with me, assisting in my ministry, scatters. So again, that's a pretty heavy statement. Either, either you're assisting in the ministry of Jesus or you're scattering people. There's really no in-between there. Pretty heavy statement. Something we should all think about. And then if you go to Psalms 133, starting in verse 1, it says, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for the brothers to dwell together in unity. It's not just good and it's not just pleasant, but it's good and pleasant. And, and he goes on, he says, it's like the precious oil of consecration. This unity is like a consecration that's poured on the head, coming down the beard, even the beard of, beard of eating of Aaron, talking, he was the first priest, coming down upon the edge of his priestly robes, consecrating the whole body. The unity consecrates the whole body. And he says, it's like the, the dew of Mount Hermon coming down on the hill of Zion, for there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. From unity comes life, comes blessing, and it's to cover the whole body, and it brings consecration. So unity is very important. You know, the New Testament talks about tithes 24 times. It mentions offerings 265 times, fasting over 100 times, prayer over 100 times. But it says the word together 484 times. And then it even mentions the, 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 the saying gathered together 97 times. Very important. It's up there with prayer, tithing, all, anything else you want to name in the New Testament. is part. It's right up there with any of it, if not above. You know, the original... Greek word for the church is ecclesia, and it's used 114 times in the New Testament. In Greek society, ecclesia meant assembly of free citizens who were called out of their homes to assemble together for matters of public interest. The church is not just called out, but it's called out to assemble together. Like we are supposed to assemble together. I, I know it's not just about this, right? We understand that. We know that. But we are supposed to gather together. Uh, it should be a priority in your life to come together when the body is coming together. Uh, it's important for the people to assemble together. Hebrews 10 and 25 says, Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day coming or approaching. And I would say we see the day approaching. I know we've heard that for a long time, but there's things that are in the work that are showing the day is approaching. It's coming. And so he, and this time, these guys were getting chased down and killed for coming together. We're not, people don't come together now because they got a hurt toe or a stomach ache or a 
video game to play or a baseball game to take their kid to or a piano lesson or a whatever. So we see then that the church is this free citizens of a heavenly community summoned by the gospel from their places in the world to assemble together to hear from God. Okay? We're called out of every kindred type, tribe and nation and we're called out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's what the church is. It's the body of believers that have been born again into the family of God and as the body we are to come together often. Another important Greek word that relates to the church is Koinonia, koinonia. The word is difficult to translate into English, but it carries the idea of communion, fellowship, sharing, and participation. It is used to describe the life that the church is to share in Christ. It describes how the church is to operate and function in fellowship and unity. So ecclesia is what we are. We're the called out ones. We're the body of Christ. And koinonia is what we do. Koinonia or fellowship is not just like us having a potluck dinner or, or a church meeting where we hang out with a bunch of people that we know and everybody we're familiar with all the time. That's not just it. It's not just a comfortable relationship with someone you, you would have liked whether or not you were a Christian in the first place. It's not just about you spending time and getting to know the people that are just like you, but it's more about the whole body, the ecclesia coming together in purpose and unity. When the church began, Koinonia meant that the Jews and the Gentiles who had been enemies for centuries were becoming one in the body of Christ. They were coming together in fellowship and purpose and in mission and they were breaking through thousands of years of separation so that they could come together to worship together and to live out being the church together. And those who before would not even speak to one another now worship together as one. And they lived together as one. And they ministered together as one. Because there was unity of the spirit that overcame all of their differences. Like you want to talk about differences, you could talk about the Jews and the Gentiles. But when, the church, when Jesus poured out the Holy Ghost on the church, those differences were washed away. And they became one. Philippians 2, talking about unity, 2, 1 and 2. It says, if there be therefore any consolation in Christ... If any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels of mercy fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and one mind. Sounds like how the church began. The word membership is a word of Christian origin, uh, but the world's removed it from its original meaning, especially when it's talking about church membership. Today, membership is often reduced to simply adding your name to a role with no requirements and no expectations. But to the Apostle Paul, being a member of the church meant being a vital organ of a living body. An indispensable, interconnected part of the body of Christ. Every part is needed and every part has a responsibility. If an organ is somehow severed from its body, it will shrivel and die. It cannot exist on its own, and neither can you, and neither can I. Disconnected and cut, it off, cut off from the lifeblood of a local body, your spiritual life will wither and eventually cease to exist. This is why the first symptom of spiritual decline is usually inconsistent attendance at worship services. The coming together of the body that the writer of Hebrews stated was so important becomes an option, becomes something that you just do when it's 
convenient or when you feel like going. Not a requirement, not a necessity. Membership in the family of God is not something to be casually ignored. The church is God's agenda for the world. My God, we got to get a hold of that. The church is God's agenda for the world. The church is indestructible, and it will exist for all eternity, amen, and it will outlive this universe, and so will your role in the church if you stay in it. You're important, and what you do or don't do matters. The person who says, I don't need the church, is either arrogant or ignorant. They're either so full of pride that they're their own God, or they just don't understand that they need a God. The church is so significant that Jesus died on the cross for it. God himself robed, came down and robed himself in flesh and went to the sinner's cross for his church, for the body of Christ. Amen. That's how important it is to him. How important it is to us. Is it to us? That is why we cannot be just church attenders. The difference between being church attender and a church member is found in one word, and that is commitment. Attenders are spectators from the sidelines. Members get involved in the ministry. Attenders are consumers. Members are contributors. Attenders want the benefits of the church without sharing the responsibility. Members put church at the center of their lives. And that can only happen if we are all in unity and purpose. So what's the vision of the church? What's the vision of this church? I told you guys the other day, it's pretty simple. Like, I don't have some crazy, cool uh, statement for you. No. Our vision is to reach this city for Jesus Christ. Our vision is to populate heaven and depopulate hell. Our vision is to transform eternity in the life of the people that God puts in front of us. Amen. That's it. That's our vision. That's the, over, that's the main vision. Without that, nothing else really matters what we do here. You know, I told you guys a few weeks ago uh, to, for everyone that you need to win a person this year. I say win. You need to reach somebody and disciple them and pour into each and every one of us. Everyone, I don't care how old you are. You need to reach somebody in your school. Now, I ask you, how much of your attention has been on that? How intentional have you been about that in your life? How much time have you spent even starting to endeavor down that road with a person. We're about in month six of the year already. We got a little over seven months to go. Who are you trying to reach? Who are you trying to pour into? Who are you praying? Are you asking God to lead you? Are you being open to God leading you? You need to reach a person, huh? <laughs> And, and we really are without excuse of why we wouldn't reach a person. But that has to be the unity of the mission, the vision of the whole church is to reach people. To seek and to, Jesus said, I came to seek and to save that which is lost. That was his purpose. That needs to be our purpose. And if your purpose in life is anything outside of that, then you need to get your purpose aligned with the purpose. John 17, 17, and this again, this is in the Amplified. This is, this is Jesus 
Like he just spent like, I think it's like, I went back through it. It's like three or four or five chapters or something like that. Sitting there talking to the disciples. This is the last night. This is after they just ate the last supper. This is the end of everything he says to them. And uh, this comes right down to the end of it. He gives them all this stuff he tells them. Like one more time, I'm just going to pour all this into you. And then it gets to this part. It's John 17, 17. Jesus said, sanctify them in the truth. Set them apart for your purpose. Make them holy. Your word is truth. Just as you commissioned and sent me into the world, I have also commissioned and sent them, the believers, the church, into the world. For their sake, I sanctify myself to do your will so that they also may be sanctified, set apart, dedicated, made holy in your truth. And then he said this prayer. He said, I don't pray for these alone. It is not for their sake only that I make this request, but it's also for all those who will ever believe and trust in me through their message, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, so that the world may believe without any doubt that you sent me. His prayer was that they would all be one. He didn't pray for him to have power. He didn't pray for him to have blessing. He didn't, he, my prayer is that you'll all be one. Because if you're all one, the church, because it wasn't just for them, it's for us. The world's going to see that. And the world's going to recognize that because that's not how the world works. And they're going to see something different. And they're going to know that it's Jesus is the one that did it, that's doing it. This is one of Jesus' final prayers as he's about to leave this earth. That they may all be one as we are one, he said. And this is the only prayer that the church can answer. We can't save anybody from our prayers. We can't make anyone live for God from, our, from a prayer. We can't heal anybody or answer a person's prayer for healing. Jesus is the one that does all that. Jesus is the only one that can do that. We can reach them and we can lead them to Jesus and share his word with them. But Jesus has to do the rest. The one prayer that we can answer is to be one as he and the Father are one. It's a choice. It's up to us if we will answer that prayer. God puts it in our hands alone to fulfill this prayer. Will we, huh, will we either be one as a people, as Jesus was one with the Father, or will we, we, will we be many on our own journeys with our own agendas? Just because we come together and just because we say we're part of the church does not mean that we are all in unity. Because what you think and what I think and what so-and-so thinks and what this other person thinks, they will be different. And we may disagree on some of the methods at times, and that's okay. But what we have to agree on and what we can never disagree on is the mission. What we have to agree on and what we can never disagree on is the mission. Every one of us has to agree on the mission because if we agree with that, then we will fulfill it and we will live it out and we will do what we're supposed to do for the mission. And we know the mission is to go into all the world and to seek and to save that which is lost. That is our mission. That is the mission of the church. But I ask you tonight, is it your mission? Is it your mission? Is it even our mission? See, the church's greatest power lies in unity. 
Well, you say, what about prayer, Pastor? I believe in prayer. Prayer is powerful. My prayer alone is not as powerful as unified prayer. It's just not. What about worship? What about worship? Worship's powerful. My worship alone is way different when we all come together and worship. There's way more power when we're all standing together worshiping. It's all through the Bible. You can see all kinds of examples of this. Genesis 11 and 6. And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one. And they have all one language. They're all speaking the same thing. And this is they, and this is they begin to do. And now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. Why was nothing going to be restrained from them? Because they were all in unity. They were all on the same page. They were all going wherever they decided to go. If they were in unity, that's where they were going to go. At the Tower of Babel, absolute unity made nothing impossible to humanity. <laughs> Man, how much more is this true when God's favor rests on his own people? How much more for the church to be unified in single focus? How much more can God do through a unified people? There's no limit to what God can do through a unified church. Amen. He can do all things through a people that are in the same purpose and on the same mission in unity. He will fulfill his will. He will do what he wants to do. Why? Because we will be submitted to him. And he'll be able to do what he wants to do through us. You know, in, in that John 17, uh, 21, you know, why, why was it so important for Jesus to pray this? Why did he pray that those in the church would be one as they were one? Because God's dream can be held captive by our limitations if we're not unified. I'm going to talk about that some more, so just hang on. What God wanted to accomplish through those men would not be able if they were not unified. If Peter would have took off over here and Matthew would have started doing his thing and they would all just started doing their own little thing, oh, we're all doing it for Jesus. But I'm going to go build my job, start my career, my family. I'm going to go take care of my family, guys. You guys do what you got to do. I'm going to talk about Jesus while I'm doing it. They would have never did what God intended for them to do. Just as he can't fulfill everything that he wants to do with us in Goshen, if we're not focused and unified in the purpose. So what is our purpose? Somebody say it. Reach the city. Amen. Like every time I, I'm going to start saying that to you guys quite a bit. What's our purpose? Man, we should all shout. We're going to reach Goshen. I'm going to reach a soul. I'm going to disciple somebody. I'm going to seek and save that which is lost. You should say something along that line. That should always be in the forefront of your mind. But the problem is that's not. Obviously. I'm not trying to be mean. Okay, guys? Look. You guys are all looking at me crazy. I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to be mean. I just, but I am trying to shake us. I'm shaking myself. What is our purpose? It's to seek and to say that which is lost. To populate heaven with souls. And above everything else, that is to be our purpose, collectively and individually. That may look different in practice for some of us, and the methods that we use to accomplish will change over time as God leads us. But our purpose and our mission will never change. It's to reach the world for Jesus Christ. That is your purpose in this life. 
That is my purpose in this life. I've got to get a hold of that. I need to get that down in my gut. And you need to get it into your gut. So we internalize it and it's with us everywhere we go. Because it was with them everywhere they went. Your purpose, your mission is to reach people for Jesus. We aren't just having church. We aren't just being the church. But we are populating heaven. And we're pulling people out of hell. And we're transforming eternity. And we have to understand this. And we got to understand that this is a truth that God wants us to have. And we need to internalize it and make it personal to each and every one of us. We have to make this personal and collective in our mission. Jesus prayed this prayer in the presence of his bickering and and prestige-seeking disciples. Like when you watch these guys, they're kind of funny, right? They're talking smack to each other. Peter's always trying to outdo John, and John's always always trying to outdo him. And they're trying to decide who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom and who gets to sit next to you in heaven and all this stuff. Right? Jesus is like, look, guys, let's get it together. He praised this right after he, the Messiah, washes their feet. How must they have felt? How should we feel if we're not honoring this request? How should we feel if we're not intentionally working on being unified in the mission and the purpose that God has called us to, which is to reach this city? The will of God is subject to the will of man where the church is concerned. I talked about this last week, too. It just doesn't make sense to me, but it is what it is. It's how God set it up. God is often unable to put his best team on the field because of our unsubmitted wills. Because our purpose is our purpose, not his purpose. We focus more on self than on him. We're more concerned with my kingdom come instead of thy kingdom come. We're looking out for us instead of others, and we make this life more important to us and our families than the one to come. And before you get your holy exaltation going and declare that's not the case in your own life, you need to humbly pray and ask God to show you if this is true or not in your own life. You need to humbly go before God and say, God, if there's anything that I'm putting before you or above you or above the mission, show me, please, Lord, show me. We do a lot of stuff and we feel like we're fulfilling God's will and purpose for ourselves and his church. And we feel appeased because we pray and we tithe and we serve and we do all this stuff. And all that's good and all that's part of it. And we need to be doing all that. And we're going to keep doing all that. But we neglect the greatest purpose many times of you and I or the reason why you and I are even born again. And that is so that we can go and reach the lost, that we can take the gospel that was given to us to somebody else to bring hope to their hopelessness like the hope came into our lives. That's our purpose. I read this child's question and said, can God make a rock so heavy that he can't lift it? Yes, he did. Exactly that with your own will. But the thing is, God's not always going to deal with us this way. He's not going to always struggle with your will and my will. He's already showed us that once. Genesis 6, 3. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be in 120 years. He's not always going to struggle with us. He He just said he's not going. He's like, I'll just take you out. Our city is not lost because the devil's power is greater than God's. 
But it's lost because we expend our energies on self-promotion instead of self-sacrifice. We cannot pray, thy kingdom come until we pray, my kingdom go. You and I have to die to ourselves daily. That's not just a setting a scripture that we read. That's a commandment from Jesus. We have to die to our idea of what this life is supposed to be like and be willing to let God direct what it is supposed to be in our lives and what is supposed to be important to us. We have to stop looking to the world and people for advice on what we should be doing in this life and instead go to God and his word and find out what we should be doing in this life. Jesus is not the only one delivered unto death. We also have to bear our cross. You can preserve your rights in this life or you can renounce your own throne, but you cannot do both. You can live for yourself and the rights the world says you have in this life, or you can die daily and lay down your rights and abdicate your throne before God and let him have your life and do what he desires for you and follow in his will. But you cannot do both. We have to do some prayerfully, very prayerfully honest soul searching and looking at our lives and be honest about what is most important to us. What's most important to you? Is what he says most important to you? Or what the world says? Or what you say? Or think? Or desire? Or... I truly believe God is preparing his church for this end time revival harvest that's coming. Amen. But it's just not going to happen, guys. Us talking about it, me standing up here yelling at you about it, it's not going to do anything. We've got to make it up in our minds that we're going to make it our mission. I got to wake up every day, God, this is my mission. It's not just to take, yes, take care of your family. Yes, go to work. Be the best employee they have. Be the most dedicated spouse there is. Do all that stuff, but in the midst of it, you better make sure that, that your main purpose is his main purpose. All that other stuff is really secondary, guys. Jesus is not the only one that was to be delivered unto death. Our crucifixion is different than Jesus's, of course. He died once. We are to die daily. When Paul said, I die daily, he wasn't talking about a physical death. He was talking about dying to self and will and self-fulfillment. Dying to the desire of this earthly flesh and body and the ways of this world. But the problem is, is that the devil doesn't want you to die to your flesh. He doesn't want you to die to your will. That's why he comes to us just like he came to Jesus and he cries, why don't you just come down from off that cross and save yourself? There's an easier way, Jesus. You don't have to do all this. You don't really have to do all that sacrificing of your dreams and your desires, all that giving up of your security that you're building in this life. You don't need to worry about building the unforeseen kingdom to come. You just keep building this kingdom. You're supposed to put your energy into making sure your family is safe and, and, and well taken care of, that your bank account and your 401 are good. Build your career, all these things. That's, that's much more satisfying than pouring your time and energy and money into a person to just have them walk away from God and the mission anyway. Just come down from that cross. Enjoy your free time. 
you don't really have to do all that stuff. It's okay to do some of this and some of that. Focus on the here and now. It's much more rewarding. and It's definitely easier than denying yourself daily. Just come down from there. And we listen to him. And so we do come down. And we replace his mission with our mission. Not usually intentionally. But we do it. What does it mean to die to the flesh? It means to replace your desires with God's desires. Galatians 5.24, and they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. You know, you know why you struggle in certain areas? You know how you struggle with sin and temptation and falling? That same thing over and over? It's because you haven't died. That part of you is not dead. You know, the devil himself, anybody, he's not going to walk up to a dead body and poke it and try to get a response out of it. Why? Because the body's dead. There's no life in it. But now, if there's life in it and you start poking it, well, they're going to do something. So the only way that you get a response from your flesh, from the enemy, is because that something in your life is not dead yet. If it's dead, it don't matter how much he pokes it. It's not going to offend you. It's not going to bother you. It's not going to rouse you up. It's not going to get a reaction out of you. It's dead. Satan knows he can't tempt me with methamphetamine anymore. Like there's nothing in me that would ever say, I want to smoke meth again. Like when I think of that, I'm like, Ugh. why? It's dead. Alcohol, dead. Cigarettes, dead. Women, dead. All that stuff's dead. No, he messes with me with my little things that maybe I haven't quite given up on. I'm, I'm crucifying football. And you guys know that's been a crucifixion fight. He's pulled me off of that cross many times. And I've came off of it. And I've justified coming off of it. But I'm crucifying that joker right now. But he's still coming at me because there's, there's a little bit of me that when I'm scrolling through and I see Notre Dame and they say they just recruited this guy, I'm like, ooh, and I want to stop and read it, but I just scroll past. I don't stop and read it. But there's a part of me that wants to stop and read it. Satan's terrified that we'll stay on the cross until the work is finished, just like Jesus did. The devil will talk to us. He'll even let us talk about revival. All we want, he'll let us talk about it. All we want, as long as we quit prematurely. He'll let us pray about it, preach about it, teach about it, fast for it, as long as that's all that we do. And we never finish the work. Jesus' work is finished, but yours and mine, our work is not finished. We're not done yet until God pulls a, we're, our job, our mission, our work that still needs to be finished. Every day you wake up and have a breath is another day you're supposed to be on the mission. And it's not finished until God calls us out of here. So we have to refu refuse to quit before we see the results. You have to refuse to quit before you see the results. 
You might pray over and over and over and over and over and walk up to person after person, get rejection after rejection, but there's going to come a day. And if you keep casting the seed, eventually the, the harvest is going to come. The fruit is going to come. You just keep doing what you're supposed to do. Don't worry about the results. God takes care of the results. But he puts it in our hands to do it. It's not going to just happen. And we as a church, we as a people, we as a people have to get our minds and our hearts set on the mission. It can't be just something I think about every once in a while. It can't be just something that uh, pops up in a conversation here or there or I think about in the moment. No, it should be always in the forefront of our minds. And we all need to get on that mission and we all need to make sure that we're in unity in that mission. Like, what is our mission? Music, I'm going to close. When the church was birthed, they were all together in one place and in one accord. There were many in number. First there was 120, and later that day they numbered over 3,000. But all of them came together drawn by one common impulse to merge their separate existences, their various pursuits, their divergent lives, and their, their independent actions into one common action. All of the different reasons and motives which would have kept them separate and which would have attracted them to different places were overcome by the common mission and the motive which drew them all together. There has to be a willful unity in the church. There has to be a willful unity in the church. Guys, we have to be intentional about it. And we see this in the early church. The unity of the will and of the purpose of the people that resulted from the Holy Ghost, the common Holy Ghost, the same Spirit dwelling in all of them, brought them together. Their voices were many, but their theme was one, and that was Jesus Christ. Their voices were many, but they had one purpose and one mission to proclaim God's glory and to draw all men to a place of relationship with that God. The grand design of uniting all mankind in the faith of Jesus Christ, this mission was present to all their minds, and it influenced their common action. It was the work that they had to do together. And this was to be accomplished by a single united effort. It wasn't by the pastor, the evangelism director, the youth director, this person. No, it was all of them, regardless of role or position. What wonders of God's kingdom can be accomplished by a united effort? My God. When the many wills of the people became united and they ran willingly in their course, if we can realize our, our union with the divine will of God for this body, what can withstand us and what can keep us from fulfilling God's will for this city through you and I? But it's a waste of force and the opposing movement of unified wills which hinders and checks the progress of God's kingdom in a local assembly. Because they begin heading in different directions and cause friction instead of moving together in the same direction, creating momentum. And a person's power to move forward is subtracted from another's power instead of adding to it. 
If two things collide, but they're heading the same direction, the power of the one is added to the other. So if I'm in a car, I'm driving 30, somebody flies up behind me doing 60, they slam into me, I go faster. I'm, I'm propelled forward. Some of their power's given to me. But if they're heading in different directions, that power is lost in the collision. And the collision is going to be way more destructive. There's, there's not going to be any going forward. It's going to be a collision that ends in destruction. And that's one of the reasons why the modern church is not advancing like the first church did. There's disunity instead of unity. I believe we all desire on some level to fulfill God's will for this city. I believe we all want to see God's kingdom grow here in Goshen, Indiana. You wouldn't be here. But that's not enough. It can't just be a little bit of a desire, a thought, a want in my life. It has to become the mission, the purpose of my life. The focus and mission from God is not always the focus and the mission of the body or the people. The wills of the people outweigh the will of God. So people are colliding with one another instead of propelling each other. And you're like, I'm not colliding with anybody. Well, yeah, maybe you are. Because you're more worried about your home or your job or whatever, a relationship or whatever. You put whatever in the blank. So, we do what we can to see the kingdom go forward. We put in our effort. Some of us. I'm talking to myself. Like God is speaking, I need to get this. But, Thank God. That's not the only model we see. <laughs> because we do see a church in the book of Acts. And that church was in unity. And that first church was on a mission. And that first church had a purpose. And we can see what is possible with a group of people that get in unity with the mission and the purpose, and they make that mission and purpose everything in their life. We can see what it can and even what it's supposed to be like. Jesus, the book of Acts wasn't just given as some little storybook for us to read and look at these guys and go, wow, man, they did great things for God. No, that was given to us as an example of what the church is supposed to always be like throughout the age through this day through you and through me through all of us what could it be like what could Goshen be like what could this church be like when we read that stuff and we look at it it shouldn't it shouldn't like I'm not trying to shame you I'm not trying to beat you up and guilt you like, I don't want you, if that's your motive, I don't know what to tell you. Just out of shame and guilt. No, it should be because I love my Jesus. And I'm submitted to him. 
and his word tells me to go, so I'm going to go. And not only that, I'm not even worried about me so much all the time because I know there's a hurt and broken person out there that I could share a word with and it could transform their life. Just like somebody came to me one day and they reached into my muck and they reached into my mire and they pulled me out of the pit and they gave me a little bit of hope. I want to give that hope to other people. I don't want the mission to be about me. I want the mission to be about him. I don't want it to be about my mission. I want it to be about his mission. I'm to die to myself daily. You and I, we are to die to ourselves and our will daily. That, that, I'm going to go into like what that could look like next week. Because that could be very intense. Facebook world and you're watching this you can pray for us or if you're with your family I don't know you may not even have any connection to these people personally pray for us if you're with your family pray for your family pray for your church pray that a spirit of unity would grip his church not just us we should we should always be praying for the church now I want you guys to give together and I don't want you standing by the same people you always stand by get by somebody you don't normally stand by I want you guys connect, link together. The Bible says that, uh, oh, geez, 
you know, a one, one strand cord is easily broken, but a threefold cord is not easily broken. Something like that. It's because unity. There's power in unity. Guys, we got to get a hold. We got to be in unity on the way we're walking and where we're walking and what we're doing. And that's got to be to reach this city. Amen. Look, I want you guys to lock in with somebody. You guys get up here. Connect with these guys. Everybody connect. I want everybody connected. Get up here and connect with these guys. Lock your hands together. We're going to pray. We're going to pray. You guys connect together. Connect together. All you guys. Somehow. I don't know how. You guys, it's not that hard. Scoot down. Stretch out. Stretch your arm out. Oh, mighty God. Mighty God. Selena, grab him. That's right. You guys don't need me to lead you in prayer. Pray. 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 Oh, God. God, oh, God. Can we humbly come before you, God? Oh, thank you, Jesus, that we get to be your church, God. Thank you for calling us out, God. Thank you for adopting us into your body. Oh, God, I pray, I pray, God, if there's, God, I pray that we would be together, that we would be one as you and the Father were one, God. God, that you would unify us, God. Let a spirit of unity grip this people, God. Let it grip us, God. Let there be a spirit of unity, God. Hallelujah. That gets a hold of us for the mission, God. Put it in our hearts, Lord. Uh, uh, God, put it in us to pray and seek for it every day. God, even if we think we got it, pray and seek for it every day, God. That we would be bound together in purpose. That we would be bound together in mission. And God, if there's anything in my life that's not of you, that's hindering that, my preferences, my decisions, desires, God, maybe hurts that I got against another person. My God, I ask you to remove that from me right now. God, show it to me. Show it to me. Let there be no hidden thing in my heart, God. Reveal it to me, God. I don't want to have anything to hinder what you're trying to do, God, in this people, Lord. But God, oh God. God, let us get a hold of the mission. Put your holy burden within us, God, for that mission, God. God, that we would see with your eyes and we would hear with your ears, God, and we would be moved by what moves you, God. Get our eyes off of ourselves, God. Forgive us when we make our kingdom about us, God. Forgive us, God, when we make our decisions, God, based off of us and self and how we feel and what we think. But God, lead us into your word. Direct our steps through your word. Let the Holy Ghost lead us. Let the Holy Ghost guide our thoughts every day, God. Let your mission be in the forefront of our minds, God. Hallelujah, Lord. God Almighty. And move us forward, God, to fulfill your will for this city, God. You're going to do it, God. You're going to do it, God. You're doing it. You're doing it. We thank you for all you're doing, God. But I know you've got more. I know you got more. I know you want to do more. And you're going to use this people to do it, God. Hallelujah. Our young people, our older people people, our adults, our children. God, you're going to use them, God. Let your light shine through them, God. God, give us boldness to be the church. Give us vision to be the church. Give us an awareness of what it means to be your church. Give us an awareness of what it means to walk in mission. Uh, oh, God. 
grip our hearts with the mission, God, as it gripped you. God, it gripped you. God, help us to get in unity with the mission, God. Help us, Lord. Direct us, Lord. Show us, Lord. Open the doors, Lord. God, I pray you open doors in these people's lives, God. I pray, God, that you open doors, God, for them to minister to somebody this week, God. That you lead them to a hungry soul. That you lead them to an open soul, God. Somebody that's ready to hear, God. I pray you use them. I pray, God, that you give them boldness to step out in faith, my God, and be used in the operation of the Holy Ghost. Ah, give us boldness, God, to be the church. Give us boldness, God, to fulfill the mission. Oh, God. God. God, we're we're not finished. And we're not coming down off of that cross, God. I'm going to hang there, God, as long as we have to, God. Until you fulfill your will, God. Ah, Jesus, 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 Jesus. God Almighty. Oh, God. God, Holy Ghost, move, Lord. God, move on us, God. We can't do this of ourselves. God, we got to have you. God, we got to have the Holy Ghost flowing through us, God. Oh, God, teach us to walk in the Spirit, God. Help us to walk in the Spirit, God. My God, my God. It's you, Lord. It's you, God. Lord God, we're submitted to you, God. I submit my will to you, God. You lead me. You guide me, God. I'll do my best, God. Through the power of the Holy Ghost, I'll do my best, God. Hallelujah. Give me faith, God, to hear you, God, and to not only hear you, God, but to respond, even when it goes beyond my imagination, God, and what I can think to ask. God, to trust in you wholeheartedly, God, not trusting in the systems of this world not trusting in the things that we've for so many years we put our trust in God forgive us forgive us forgive us forgive us oh God What's our mission? What's our mission? What's your mission? I'm going to keep doing that until everybody starts saying it. So just be ready. You hear me say, what's our mission? Just yell it out. Who cares what anybody thinks? Speak it. Man. Proclaim it. more for this city than what we're doing right now. 
build a church through us. Amen. And I'm, I'm not trying to be mean if you're out there watching. I don't even know the things that go on. But, I mean, I know we're a bunch of the people. We're a bunch of people, Lord. But let's make it our mission, guys. Make it your mission. Because it is your mission. If you consider yourself to be part of the church of the living God, it is your mission. It is your purpose for this life here on this earth. It's not all about just building your own little kingdom around and taking care of all your own little stuff. It's about building his kingdom, amen? But if we take care of his stuff, he's going to take care of our stuff. I don't know. We say that, but you know how many Holy Ghost filled, well, every apostle was killed except John, played, burned. There were all kinds of crazy stuff. home and this world's not my son's home I gotta get the one he's get him ready <laughs> right amen so let's be about the mission okay man you guys I, I highly and I say this because I've struggled with it pray this stuff daily in your life the mission before me. Let me see with your eyes. Open doors. Help me to be sensitive when you're directing me. Help me to recognize when you're leading me. We got so many voices in the world and so much stuff going on all the time and it just bombards us if we let it. 